Planning a mission trip for your group can be really hard, so we created a super simple process to make it easy. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to the Student Ministry Podcast. If you're a youth pastor, small group leader, college pastor, or even a parent, this podcast is for you. Whether you're looking for tools and resources or encouragement and wisdom, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome in to the Student Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful city of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to this episode of the podcast. I am super stoked to, to have you and excited to share uh, some some bits of wisdom that I learned not too long ago. I, I had a chance to hear a story about a guy named Zach Hempel, and some of the things I learned from him really have had some great profound impact on how I do student ministry, so I want to share that with you today. Before we dive into the content for this episode, uh, I want to give you a Quick heads up about the importance of making sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Whenever you're subscribed, it guarantees you never miss an episode because when you're subscribed, every episode gets delivered directly to your device. I want to highly encourage you, head on over to whatever podcast catching app you're familiar with, look up the Student Ministry Podcast, hit that subscribe button. If for some reason you you can't find us on one of the uh, browsers or one of the apps, head on over to our website. It's studentministrypodcast.com. And while you're there, while you're there, you'll see a bunch of buttons. Click whichever one applies to you. That'll take you over to a specific page that'll show you how to subscribe to the podcast. So head on over and do that today. Again, it's studentministrypodcast.com. All right, let's dive into the content. Let me tell you about a guy by the name of Zach Hempel, who I learned some incredible things from. Now, uh, let me start off by saying that Zach Hempel, to my knowledge, has never been in student ministry or youth ministry of any kind. Uh, in fact, from from what I can gather and research about him. I'm not so sure that he's even a Christian or a man of faith of any kind. And so now I've never met Zach Hempel, so I don't know that for sure. I have reached out to him on Twitter and tried to get a hold of him, but he's never responded. So if for some reason Zach Hempel is listening to this, would love to connect with you with you as soon as possible. Please tweet at me. You can find me on Twitter at Kenneth Ortiz. Um, but so this guy, Zach Hempel, if you don't know who he is, he holds the Guinness, uh, Guinness Book of World Record uh, for the most amount of baseballs caught at baseball games. Um, he's, he has gone to, uh, you know, l- literally thousands of baseball games over the course of his life, and he has caught baseballs at pretty much every game. And in some games, he has caught multiple balls. He has caught more than 9,000 balls in his lifetime, a bunch of balls at uh, regular baseball games. And he has also caught balls in, in uh, you know, in, in batting practice and things like that. So he's, he's caught home run balls. He's caught foul balls. He's caught batting practice balls, all the, all sorts of things. So again, he's more than 9,000 balls. In fact, there's a really cool moment a few years ago. ESPN actually highlighted this guy. He was at a, uh, he was at a baseball game and he was sitting in right field. Okay. Early in the game, he catches a home run ball. And then ESPN shows a highlight of him later in the game, a different player hits a home run ball to left field, the opposite side of the ballpark, and it's the same guy that catches it. It's Zach Kempel. He catches two balls in the same game in two separate locations. It would seem that just by chance, he knew exactly where the ball was going to go. He just seemingly, it would seem to be at least that he was simply lucky. Um, ESPN actually has highlighted him more than once. It was another time where they highlighted him where he caught a ball, I believe it was at a Yankees game, 
on a, on a weeknight, maybe it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and then the very, and he does this really funny dance, kind of this like crazy hokey little, you know, spin my hips and, and move my hands around dance. He does this every time, a lot often when he catches a ball. Well, then ESPN shows the very next night in a similar location in the ballpark, he also, he again catches a home run ball and he does the exact same dance. And the, uh, the, the broadcaster on ESPN actually goes, it says, I think something effective like, is this guy, is that the same guy from the night before? Uh, and they kind of make a joke about it. You can actually look it up on YouTube uh, and, and there's lots of, you know, there's, he's highlighted quite a bit. Um, I learned about him actually because I saw him doing a, a late night interview. Um, I believe he was doing an interview with uh, Conan O'Brien or Jay Leno, one of those late night guys, uh, several years back. He's done. He's actually done the whole circuit. He's done interviews with all the late night shows. He's done Good Morning America. He's in, I think he's been on the Ellen Show. He's been on a bunch. Um, so this guy has caught a bunch of baseballs, and it seems like he would just be lucky. Like it would feel like it's just dumb luck um, to just kind of be at the right place at the right time. And so he was in an interview, one of the late night talk shows, one of the interviews I saw him doing one time, and and one of the the, the interviewer asked him like, "How do you get so lucky?" And Zach Kempel responds, I don't remember precisely what he said, but he said something to the effect of, I get lucky on purpose. And then begin to talk about some of the things he does to to be in the right place at the right time. He studies um, batting, batting averages or he studies the batter's tendencies. So he knows which players are likely to hit home runs and where, where they're likely to, to hit them. He, he studies pitchers and where, where, you know, uh, which ones give up home runs and which ones are likely to give up a home run and where that, where is that ball likely to go? He studies the, the wind patterns of stadiums and, and kind of the construction of stadiums. And he, he kind of looks at all of the trends and he studies all these stuff and he kind of comes up and before he goes to every game, he kind of comes up with an estimated guess on where's the most likely place for a home run to be hit. And he goes to that section of the ballpark. And quite frequently, he is right in his guess because he's put the time in before. And so it seems like he's just getting lucky, but he's not getting lucky by accident. It's not happening unintentionally. He's getting lucky on purpose. And I remember hearing the interview and him talk about it. And watching some of the video clips of him catching baseballs and some of the things he that he said. And I remember thinking to myself, Lord, we in student ministry need to do the same thing. And I really began to pray and consider what what could we do in student ministry to quote unquote get lucky. And what I mean by that is how do we put ourselves in a position to have the maximum amount of opportunities to preach the gospel and make disciples of the students that God would have us uh, to make disciples of, like, like, how do we put ourselves in a position to, quote unquote, accidentally stumble into incredible ministry opportunities? You know, I, I think of the same thing with poker players. Like, oftentimes we know a, a poker is seemingly a game of luck with the cards, but but when you watch poker tournaments on ESPN, you see the same guys over and over again at the end of the tournament. The same the same group of guys are winning poker tournaments over and over and over again, even though there's a massive part. A massive part of the game is luck. They have learned how to play the game and put themselves in a position so that they get more lucky more frequently than most other people. Does that make sense? I hope that's hope that's kind of making sense as I articulate this. I think we can do that in in pastoral ministry very easily if we're very intentional, and I think we can even do it more so in student ministry because of the nature that the average North American teenager, or the nature of the lives and schedule of the average North American teenager. Uh, I've had I've I've had some really exciting opportunities over the course of my life to to really have a lot of gospel opportunities, and and with, at the at the risk of sounding arrogant, I've probably have had more success 
in a lot of areas of youth ministry than a lot of other people. And I remember someone asking me recently, how is it you get so lucky? Like, how is it you just always seemingly are at the right place at the right time? You have all these students that come to you for advice and kind of mentorship. How does that happen? And, And I remember thinking to myself, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because I have strategically put myself in a position where I am more likely to have opportunities to preach the gospel, where I'm more likely to have opportunities to speak into the lives of middle school and high school students and college students. And so as I really considered the life of Zach Kempel and kind of what he does, I really prayerfully considered, this is several years back, uh, I really began to consider what are the things that we ought to do so that we can intentionally maximize our opportunities in student ministry? What are the opportunities we have with with teenagers that maybe a lot of pastors, uh, lead pastors or, or pastors focusing on adults, maybe they don't have as the opportunity to do as much. And so I really kind of came up with with four things uh, that I think, you know, that we as student ministry pastors ought to do on a regular basis. And I really have lived my life in student ministry this way for the last several years. So I'll give you, give you the four steps very quickly. Number one is be present. And I this is the one that I think is the one that always shocks me that guys don't do more frequently. Because quite frankly, it's easy. Just show up. The average North American teenager has many opportunities that you can show up and be a part of and be present in their life. And it's way easier to do it with teenagers and even easier to do it with college students than it is to do it with adults that are working, that have kids. Like if you're a pastor focusing on a younger generation, you have way more opportunity to do this than a lot of other pastors focusing in other areas of church ministry. And so if you are a student ministry pastor or a small group leader or or a college pastor, anyone looking to invest in middle school, high school, or college students, show up to their stuff. Do this all the time. Be present. Go to every play. Go to every football game, every track meet. Um, Do think, go be in places where students are going to be. I I remember uh, just thinking like how frequently I do this. I, I would go at least at least two or three times a week to stuff that students were doing. And I know several youth pastors, uh, friends of mine all around the country that are in youth ministry that, I, that that don't do that. I remember even having a friend of mine who's in youth ministry tell me, well, I'm not that kind of youth pastor. And I remember thinking to myself, well, you're the kind of youth pastor that's going to have limited opportunities. Like If you're not present in their life on a regular basis, if you're not present, they're not going to trust you. Like If the only time they see you is at, at your student ministry service on a Wednesday or your Sunday school class on a Sunday or at your your Young Life Club on a Monday night. Like, if the only time they see you is there, well, they, at most, they're not going to show up to all of them, right? Um, they're going to see you, you know, three times a month. I got to be honest, that's not enough for them to trust you. It's just not. And so you've got to be present. And I remember doing things like, um, going to multiple church services, like, you know, uh, a lot of the churches I've been a part of have multiple church services. The most recent church I was a part of had a, a nine o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service. So what I would do is I, I know some students would show, go, to, go to the nine and the 11. Well, I, I didn't necessarily, my church didn't demand that I attend both. I didn't have to be there for both. But I would, I would often do is I would, I would, if I was going to attend the nine o'clock, I would go to attend the night, show up early, be there for the service, linger after the service. I would stay 
until the other service started. And I did this on purpose so that any student and families that were at the nine o'clock, I connect with them in the lobby, you know, before and after service. And then I would linger as they left. And then the families that were coming in for the 11 o'clock, I would see students there. And then I would leave. And then our our church actually launched a five o'clock PM service. I'd show back up around 440, hang out until about 515. And then I'd leave again. But I purposely did that so that I never missed. So that students always saw me. And I would do that opposite. If I was going to go to the 11 o'clock service, I would just show up early, stay for the 11, and then I'd go hang out. And in many cases, go hang out with students on a Sunday afternoon. Many students want to go out to lunch and hang out. Um, many students are hanging out on a regular basis. I'd have students over my house all the time. Um, you know, there recently, I had a conversation with a with a student, and he was telling me that he actually didn't even know where his youth pastor lived. Had never been there. And I thought to myself, this is actually a relatively key student in the student ministry. This is a student that should be at your house weekly. Like he should feel so comfortable that he's walking in your house when you're not home. Like that's the type of relationship you want to have, whether you're a small group leader, Sunday school teacher, like whatever. If you're a parent, like if you're someone that wants to invest in the lives of teenagers, show up and be present in their life. I think about Zach Hempel, like in order for him to catch 9,000 baseballs, he had to show up to a lot of stinking baseball games, right? Like if he didn't show up at the baseball games, he wasn't going to get lucky to catch any baseballs. And if you don't show up, you're not going to catch any baseballs. You're not going to have as many opportunities. I would show up in a variety of ways in their life. Another way you can show up and be present is social media. Like show up in social media, like post a lot on Instagram or Snapchat, like tag them a lot, correspond a lot. I, I would regularly spend 20, 30 minutes a day just commenting on students' um, Instagram photos and, you know, liking their photos and reaching and tagging them in photos, whatever, like being present so they know I'm present in their physical life, I'm present in their social media life, I'm present at anything I can do. Now listen, I understand that some of you guys are going to be married with kids and with other church responsibilities, maybe you're bivocational, like I get it, it's going to be hard sometimes to be as present as you want to be. All I'm asking you to do is simply this, whatever the level of presence you have now, try to kick it up a little bit or invite them into your life as much as you can. So for example, let's say you're going to go shopping at Walmart for an hour to buy a bunch of stuff, whether it be for the church or personal. Why don't you just text a student or call a couple students and say, hey, I'm hanging out at Walmart for the next hour. You want to, you want to meet me at Walmart? And then hang out at Walmart and be silly in Walmart and play in the toy aisle and do something silly. You got to be there anyway, right? Spend an extra couple minutes hanging out and, and then do, do something like that. Or be, be present in terms of having them be, or sorry, inviting them into things in your life. Like, hey, maybe you and you know some other people are doing this particular event. You can invite a student to come along with you. Man, I remember my youth pastor did that several times for me when I was in high school, and it was a profound impact for me. He would go, he's going to go play, do some thing or do some fun thing or do some administrative work and say, hey, man, you want to come with me? You want to come be a part of it? You just want to ride with me and we can hang out a little bit uh, while, you know, while we're doing that thing. And it gave me so many opportunities to learn from him and to learn about the gospel from him, not just from a stage or from preaching, but from but from a regular lifestyle, so to speak. Like, be present. I'm gonna give you the three, the next three ones, and these are I'm doing relatively quickly. Uh, number two is study the trends. Like, study what's going on in your culture. Just like Zach Hempel, he studied what was going on with the players in that game. Do that with your local city, with the high schools in your area, with the with with kind of this youth culture as a whole. And I can't tell you exactly what to study because every local context is going to be a little bit different. But you ought to be an expert in teenagers in your city. Just like Zach Kempel is an expert on baseball players, be an expert. 
be an expert on teenage culture in your community. Understand the trends, understand what's going on. And as you understand what's going on, it'll lead you to making better decisions about where you ought to be, where you ought not to be, what you ought to say, what you shouldn't say, what you ought to post, what you ought not to post, like what social media platform you ought to use or what games you ought to go to. The more you know about your culture, the more quote unquote lucky you will get because you will have more information to make better choices. Number three, be patient, right? Zach Kempel goes to the baseball game. He puts the work in. He studies the trends. He shows up. He's there. Then he has to just wait. And listen, Zach Kempel doesn't have power over, you know, the baseball games. Neither do you. We just have to wait. But if you do it right, if you're present, and if you study the trends properly, I promise you, it will happen. You will find so many opportunities. Students will just come to you and ask you questions. Students are going to seek you out and ask for your advice. Or while you're present, something's going to happen while you're there, and you're going to have the opportunity to address it in a gospel-centric manner. So just be patient. Don't try to force it. Don't try to manufacture it. If you're present a lot and it doesn't seem like anything is popping up or no opportunities are coming your way, that's okay. Just wait. Be patient. We trust that God is sovereign. He is providential. It's going to happen. And then fourthly, as you patiently wait, and this is the most important thing, more than the first three, pray. I know we all say that a lot, right? We all give lip service to prayer, but like, I mean it. Pray. Ask God. God, while I'm being present, while I'm accumulating information, as I'm waiting patiently, God, will you orchestrate the events of my life, orchestrate the events of the people around me, orchestrate the events of these students' lives. Give me the opportunity. May may I just sort of, quote unquote, accidentally be there when I need to be there. Let me be present when something, when there needs to be a gospel-centered adult. Like There are moments where there needs to be a gospel-centric adult there. Let me be there to be the one to catch that ball, so to speak, right? And here's the grand difference between Zach Kempel and you and I. Zach Kempel doesn't have a God on his side that is orchestrating the ball to come to him. He's kind of just got to wait it out and hope, hope that his study is right. On our end, we actually have the God of the universe who is who is seeking to utilize us as his instrument in the lives of students. So we sit back and we pray And God will bring the students to us. God will open the doors. God will bring the opportunities where we can speak into and bring life to students, to preach gospel to students, to model gospel behavior to students and to families. We do the work to be present, to know what we're doing, to be patient, and just wait and pray. And God will bring the opportunities your way. Zach Hempel doesn't have God orchestrating the events of the game on his behalf. We do have God on our behalf orchestrating the events of our lives and the lives of our students so that the gospel can be preached and modeled to those students. Listen, God wants those students pastored well more than you want to pastor them well. Like God wants those students to be preached to and to be mentored and to be discipled more than you want to preach, mentor, and disciple. Like God cares for them way, way more than you care for them. How much more will God put the effort in to sovereignly orchestrate the events of their lives so that the opportunity will arise where you can point them to Jesus? Man, what an incredible 
opportunity. What, what an incredible knowledge and comfort to know that we're not at the, we're out this by, the, by ourselves. We don't have to just get lucky. We have a providential God orchestrating things on our behalf so that we can point students to Jesus. Man, getting lucky on purpose is actually pretty easy. Again, I'm going to give you the four steps. Be present. Study the trends. Be patient and pray. Beseech God. Ask him to intervene. And I promise you, you're going to have incredible opportunities to preach gospel and to disciple students. Now, listen, you may say, Kenny, I don't have the time to do all that. I don't want to do all that. Well, you know what? You don't have to. You're not obligated to do anything I've told you to do. But I will tell you this. If you don't do these things, you're not going to have as many gospel-centric opportunities in student ministry. You're just not. That's the bottom line. If you don't do these things, you're going to have less opportunities than those leaders and pastors that choose to do these things. My encouragement to you, my challenge to you is to go do all of these things every day and watch God do incredible things through you in the lives of students. That's why we do what we do, right? Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. I hope this has been insightful as well as challenging. If you have a topic that you'd like me to address on the podcast, or if you've got some wisdom you'd like to share and you'd like me to interview you, I'd love to have you. Please shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at studentministrypodcast.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at studentministrypodcast.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. I love the tweet and I tweet a lot, so feel free to find me there. My handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Our intro and outro theme music for the podcast has been Actionable by Ben Sound. I'm Kenny Ortiz and this has been the Student Ministry Podcast.